This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and managing editor of the Business of Government magazine. Risk management is not a new concept within the federal government. Government has always been involved in managing risks. Even as risk management has not generally been recognized as being a fundamental function of government. What is new is the need to integrate risk management into the strategic and decision-making processes that cut across an organization and abandon the outdated practice of managing risks within functional silos and stovepipes. The U.S. Department of Commerce has sought to do just this and develop an effective enterprise approach to identifying, measuring, and assessing risks and developing effective policy responses, pursuing enterprise risk management as an approach. What are the benefits of pursuing enterprise risk management? How can risk management enhance department decision-making? And how are we fostering a culture of risk awareness across an enterprise? We'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Commerce. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Karen, uh, let's start off by understanding uh, the mission and history of the U.S. Department of Commerce. Could you tell us a little when it was created and how has its mission evolved to date? Well, you know, the Department of Commerce, I think, is a very fascinating and unique uh, agency and organization. Uh, it works with many businesses and universities and communities and nations' workers uh, to, to promote job creation and things like uh, economic growth, uh, sustainable de- development, and um, improved standards for living for Americans. We have 12 bureaus and nearly 47,000 employees. And these employees are located in all 50 states uh, across the country and territories, and also more than 86 countries worldwide. And as a, a an agency, we administer critical programs that touch the lives of many people and many and, and every American across the, the country. We have a very diverse workforce as well, and it's made up of economists, Nobel-winning scientists. Uh, we have foreign service officers, patent attorneys, uh, law enforcement officers, and even specialists in, in, in everything from international trade to uh, aerospace uh, engineering. So now that you've given us a sense of the larger organization, uh, could you tell us about your specific role? What are your responsibilities and duties as the deputy director of risk management for the department? And how is your portfolio organized? 
Well, why don't I step back and talk about sure. some of the, the, the mission itself oh, sure. for the department and some of the operations that uh, I support. So the department is, again, is comprised of 12 bureaus that work together to drive uh, progress. And they really drive progress in five business-facing key goal areas, if we if I would say. And um, one of them uh, has to do with trade and investment. The other is innovation, which is a big area. Uh, the environment, uh, data, and uh, operational excellence. So the underlying strength of the department is the ability for our bureaus to work together and leverage expertise in all of these goal areas to drive economic growth. In terms of my role in the real estate, for the most part, that I oversee at the Department of Commerce, there are really two areas that I focus on. One has to do with the function of enterprise risk management, which is a very popular area at this particular time. And um, within that area, I'm pretty much responsible for uh, establishing and overseeing the the department's uh, enterprise risk management or uh, ERM program. And that includes developing uh, integrated and consistent policies and procedures for assessing and managing risks across the department. It also includes uh, advising the departmental leadership and, and bureau management on the risk associated with all the aspects of design and operations of programs and activities. And I serve as a resource for information on best practices in risk management. In addition to that, I share responsibility with the uh, Office of the Chief Information Officer for managing risks associated with information technology systems, uh, the functions, and activities. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the main areas. The second uh, key area has to uh, deal with the role of um, audit liaison and Mm follow-up for the Department of Commerce. And I'm pretty much responsible for serving it as a department's main point of contact for the GAO and OIG engagements and uh, establishing policies and procedures for the GAO and OIG audit liaison and um, all those additional follow-up activities throughout the department. One um, big task is coordinating other departmental offices and bureaus on the performance resolution and the disposition of these audits and reviews uh, that are conducted by the OIG and the uh, GAO. So with that um, portfolio, what are your, your, say, three top management challenges that you faced, and how have you sought to address those challenges? Well, I think within any organization, communication is key, especially at the Department of Commerce. We have 12 separate bureaus, very independent very operating. Right? Absolutely. And then you have headquarters. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that uh, in business relationships, you establish uh, great lines of communications uh, uh, and, and, and interactions with these organizations. So I would say some of the main challenges have to do with uh, ensuring that there's a direct connection between headquarters and the bureaus uh, regarding enterprise risk management, for instance. One of the solutions that I developed to address that particular challenge uh, has to do with creating risk management officers at each of the the bureaus. So um, that's an example of how we um, 
close the gap of communications uh, with the bureaus. We actually establish risk management officers in each of the bureaus to reflect the same type of duties I do at the headquarters, and that actually helps the line of communications in the area. Um, so moving forward, uh, so in our effort to move enterprise risk management forward, uh, through continu- continuous implementation, we also established what we call an annual enterprise risk management maturity tool uh, as a way of communicating and over- overcoming that the communications challenge. Because many times uh, agencies that engage in enterprise risk management activities, they aren't really sure what the blueprint is for actually implementing that. So we came up with a tool that consists of, of about 80 or so questions to help them navigate what that process is in terms of implementation. That has been very successful and very engaging for headquarters and the bureaus. And the other thing in terms of setting clear expectations uh, as a challenge, um, one solution we came up with was issuance of a department-wide enterprise risk management policy, the first time the department had established a policy. And what that does is really outlines the expectations and responsibilities and actions uh, for the bureaus and the department as we move forward in this uh, area of uh, enterprise risk management. That's great. You know, with, with such an important position and, and given the challenges that you face, what are some of the things that have surprised you since you've taken your role at Commerce? The biggest challenge and the biggest surprise I've seen is the fact that the bureaus, mm-hmm. Commerce is an organization, quite honestly, they were not giving themselves credit for the things they were already doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you think about these new initiatives, mm-hmm. uh, uh, agencies or organizations feel that they aren't doing it. They may not be... Um, familiar with the terminology of what they're doing, but the basic tenets of what they're doing were there, such as with risk management. So I did find that they were applying a lot of risk management principles Mm -hmm. within their organizations, the principles, the concepts, but didn't feel that it made a difference or was too small to be significant. And uh, it really uh, was an oversight. So I was really surprised by that. That's interesting. So... um Karen, you are an author of one of our uh, most popular reports on this topic, Enterprise Risk Management. And I'd like to understand, you know, w- a little bit about your career path. Can you tell us how you got to where you are now? You know, it's been uh, it's been a, a journey. Uh, it's been uh, fascinating. It's been exciting. And it's been unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that really helps someone grow as a leader is the unpredictability mm-hmm. because we're dealing in an, in an environment where there's a lot of uncertainty and, uh, and chaos. <laughs> and, um, but, in, but in a good way. It's mm-hmm. a good chaos because the chaos and uncertainty brings uh, paths for creating and pioneering in areas that have that have been um, uncharted uh-huh. territories, and I've actually found my myself in situations where it's either been startup operations or opportunities, or there's been some disruption in terms of organizational change, what have you, and actually have uh, excel in those environments. So um, my path has been uh, pretty much defined by that. And uh, I've utilized and leveraged those opportunities to create change mm-hmm. 
in various areas within uh, within the organization. My original background, however, is in I come from the banking oh, industry, really? okay. right? Okay. In the banking industry, and that was very helpful transitioning into the federal government because now in government we're focusing on performance and metrics and achievement. Again, a lot of that insight and experience from private industry, and this that's something that stayed with me. And just really apply that within the environment that um, I actually work in now. Mm-hmm. So I've done the basic things of management internships, uh, detail assignments, all those different things that have really uh, made me who I am today. And, and throughout it all, you got a PhD too, right? From yeah, I have a doctorate in in organizational leadership and human resource development. Great transition because I often ask our our, our guests, my guests, about their leadership style and the key principles that sort of inform their leadership efforts. Would you outline for me your key leadership principles? And perhaps you could illustrate how you've applied those principles throughout your career. Certainly. Um, my uh, my thought is that a leader is always looking ahead. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have foresight. Yeah. You can't live in, I don't think you have enough time or you can't afford to just live in the present the presence is important, but you're, I'm always thinking ahead. What's going to happen tomorrow? Well, it's funny you bring that up really quickly because that Alan, I've had him on multiple times when he was the admiral of the uh, Coast Guard, and uh, yeah, it's funny he would talk about the tyranny of the present. No, no, that's a that's a good point actually, and and it's it's it's, it's real and it's true because that leads to a lot of instinct, and I lead by instinct, not so much by. Okay, I'm gonna get this done based on the amount of resources that I have. It's not resource driven. It's based on instinct. It's uh, based on f- foresight. Uh, so those are some of the leadership principles uh, that I actually live by uh, within the organization because change is constant, and it requires fresh ideas daily in order to keep pace uh, with expectations and effectiveness. And uh, I believe um, also in building coalitions and maximizing group synergy and energy. Um, I think I think of it as just-in-time energy. You manipulate crowds of people. I like to crowdsource energy and then come together to uh, create and affect change. An example of that is about two years ago when I established an informal, it's called the Interagency Enterprise Risk Management Council. Oh, really? Okay. Established that, and that really grew out of uh, a desire for me to touch base with other risk practitioners within government who were nascent mm-hmm. in terms of establishing within this within the organizations. What I found was that because of the work I've done, the research reports, and uh, and experience that I've I've had over the past ten or so years, folks were asking me the same questions all the time. <laughs> so I had to find a, a better, more creative way to answer these questions, and just really invited them into a conference call of five or so people. So that grew. The interest in my personal conference calls that I was having grew from one, two, three, five people. And I just decided I need to do this on a regular basis. There's a hunger and desire and need for knowledge and information in this area. So I built that into the interagency ERM Council. Now we have about a listserv of nearly 100 folks on the list. And each uh, a representative from at least a majority of the CF, 24 CFO Act agencies is in a formal group, but 
the fact that that group was present and established, even though it was informal, I believe um, helped build the business case to support uh, you know, policy changes regarding maybe OMBA 123 and A11 to include enterprise risk management language in there. And what is that? Just a quick question on that one. What do you think? Do you, is there any insight as to when uh, the new updated A123 is going to be out? Um, I know it comes out of OMB, but I was wondering. It, it should be soon. It should, should be, be this this calendar year. The interesting thing about the policy, though, is the fact that a lot of agencies like student aid and, and others were doing risk management prior to policy. And that's, a indica- you know, in terms of innovation, how policy is uh, pre- uh, is proceeding the actual engagement of the innovation. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, my principles of leadership fit into that and collision building, forward-looking, uh, foresight, and, um, you know, uh, making decisions and, and, and moving forward through instinct. What are the benefits of pursuing Enterprise Risk Management, or ERM? We will ask Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Commerce, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. latest edition of the Business of Government magazine delves into a diverse set of topics and public management issues facing us today. Hi, I'm Michael Keegan, the editor of the Business of Government magazine, and with each edition I present the leadership stories of a select group of public servants and complement their frontline experience with practical insights from thought leaders, merging real-world experience with practical scholarship. Check out the latest edition of the Business of Government magazine and find out. Download or order a free copy at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management within the U.S. Department of Commerce. So I want to ask you, what is risk, and why is risk so often viewed in negative terms when risk can also be, you know, a call for positive action? Absolutely. Well, you know, we don't wake up in the morning and and say to ourselves, uh, you know, how do I pursue loss? We don't we don't wake up in the morning in that mindset. Small businesses don't open their storefronts and say, how many customers can I lose today? I would be very concerned if they did. I don't think they should be in business if they are having that, that, that mindset. But for the most part, what we do, we wake up and we think about how do we seize opportunities? And in that pursuit of those opportunities, what risk am I willing to take that's worthwhile, the gain? that's worth the gain for me taking the chance. Um, So, and that's the same mindset we need to have when it comes to risk. The reason why I believe people define risk and just perceive it as loss is because it's never, it's an isolated conversation that they have and they never pair the conversation of risk and opportunity. That's a conversation that has to be balanced out or else you're you're always looking at risk as loss. But I think we have room to grow in that area in terms of maturing the conversation when we do have it, that we just don't talk about risk in isolation. You also have to balance the conversation about what are you taking a risk for and what do you anticipate gaining as a, as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned earlier 
that you are pushing forward in the department on enterprise risk management, or what you refer to as ERM. What is enterprise risk management, ERM? What are some of the distinguishing characteristics and principles of ERM? And how does it differ from, say, a traditional view of risk management? Well, it sounds a little cliche, but it's true. Traditional risk management uh, is often uh, uh, performed within uh, silos. I know you've you've heard that term before, or stovepipes. People manage and are comfortable uh, about information that's within their organization, and they only think within the, the context within their organization or their unit or their branch. So and that includes conversations of risks that they've identified and how those risks impact where they are uh, within the context and walls within the organization. Enterprise risk management really challenges us to go beyond the four corners of our organizations and reach across aisles or within, as they call the white spaces, mm-hmm. and think about how you manage risk could impact other parts of the organization. How, what does that look like? Um, you could think of many examples of how if you're doing, uh, let's say, a, a, a renovation, you just don't, uh, you're just not concerned about the renovation itself, the Mm -hmm. construction project, but how does that impact morale Mm -hmm. for your work staff? That's a human capital and HR issue. So enterprise risk management really um, provides the opportunity to uh, um, have individuals who have never had discussions about risk before actually come together and talk about it and appreciate the different perspectives and then take that information and model it so that it's helpful and uh, to leadership to make decisions within the organization. So I, I really wanted to get sort of a definition or a view of risk, expand it to sort of the changes that are happening with an enterprise view. And now I'd like to talk about a little bit more about what the Department of Commerce is doing in this area. Could you lay out for us the ERM strategic framework, the guiding principles that inform and direct what you're doing over there? Yes, and and and. Um, Within enterprise risk management is very important. Again, another cliche, but it's true. <laughs> I hate to, to mention the cliches, but they are true. They've been tested to be true. Exactly. Tone at the top is very important, mm-hmm. but also tone in the middle, mm-hmm. top in the middle across the organization. So within the Department of Commerce, we've done a couple of things. One is we've established the principles, the tone at the top, which really um, describes our philosophy about risk management, what our values are regarding uh, risk management. And really, there are really four philosophy, one philosophy, four principles. Uh, One of them has to do with the fact that we believe that uh, enterprise risk management as a process shall be applied across the entire department. Mm -hmm. And that's unifying efforts across the department um, and a unification that will ensure that strategies Mm -hmm. and actions are informed by a common understanding of risk which is an essential requirement, really, to inform priorities and allocate uh, resources. Another principle is that we believe risk management uh, practices at all levels uh, should be integrated into informed decision-making and priority setting, ensuring that risk risk information and analysis is incorporated into strategic and operational decision-making for us is fundamental not only to the department, but also to the Bureau's success overall. And we also feel that identification of potential risk 
and mitigation of those risks is a critical management responsibility uh, to have informed decision makings. Another key principle for us has to do with emerging risk, meaning that emerging risk to the department and the and the bureau objectives mm-hmm. shall be, and we you shall be dynamically um, identified and managed. Using risk information and analysis will make the department uh, program assumptions more transparent. We think that will strengthen processes, uh, encourage innovation, and provide the basis for more informed and, I would say, defensible uh, decisions made with the best available tools and the best available information for the best achievable uh, outcomes. It, it all makes sense. And then finally, the fourth principle that we advocate is that consistent, ensuring that consistent and disciplined consideration and treatment of risk is part of day-to-day processes. It's not something that you just do one day and put it in a file cabinet or you just do when there's a crisis, but it's something that is engaging on a daily basis. So enterprise risk management must be a visible and uh, integral part of uh, the department's culture Mm -hmm. and allowing the department to to fulfill its mission and goals uh, more effectively. And that's a great uh, uh, segue to um, how you've applied it. So the philosophy and then the four principles uh, and embedding it in the culture is essential. And one way you could do that is through infusing those principles into your strategic planning process. How have you done that? Really, it's about bringing, I think it's about educating those engaged in that process. And and, and every chance that you get to educate folks in this process, I think you change the the culture one day at a time, Mm -hmm. step by step. Um, For the past two, I think, years where the annual strategic reviews of the agencies were actually conducted and completed, we uh, stepped out and uh, for the first time uh, brought in uh, those uh, individuals involved in setting those objectives and being involved in achieving those objectives and gave them education and training around risk management and then walked them through our tools and our process. Um, what that did for us was establish a, at least a baseline understanding that can now be applied for the next fiscal year uh, annual strategic review process. So that's one way we have uh, incorporated uh, risk management within our strategic framework. So, you know, un- understanding risk, uh, understanding enterprise risk, how your your philosophy and principles, and then how you've inculcated it into activities, as you said, day-to-day activities, embedding it into the culture. So the next thing I wanted to get is, what are some of the benefits of doing all of this? A lot of benefits. One is that people get comfortable, begin to get comfortable with the idea of talking about risk. In our early conversation, we talked about how the perception of risk is always negative. Well, there was a time when you brought the word risk, uh, people would go in the opposite direction and, and move forward. But now people are becoming more engaged in the conversation. That's a huge that's a big change. Yeah, change, and that's a big deal in the federal government space. Because over time, I think there's more understanding about it's not just about laws. It's about good business. Mm-hmm. What good business does not take into account risk? And it's just part of business practice. So as people, is that understanding of how that is used and utilized within an organization moves forward, then folks will see more of the benefits related to that. The other thing I think is 
you know, who doesn't want to be in a position where they're better prepared to deal with, you know, things that happen. We're not saying that enterprise risk management uh, provides 100% reasonable assurance of anything. Uh, I don't think anything does. You can't 100% eliminate risk. None of you have objectives and you're pursuing opportunities. Risk exists. The idea of being better positioned to deal with it, to respond to it, to manage it, either during the crisis or just normal day-to-day business, uh, I think that's very uh, attractive um, to organizations, and they want to be able to get ahead of things rather than just be in a reactive uh, position. So you mentioned earlier the importance of embedding the enterprise risk management perspective in an agency or department's culture. What are some of the challenges, whether it's within commerce or or just across the federal agency, whatever your perspective, what are some of the challenges with doing this? Well, one, we talked about understanding what it is yeah. and what it is not. Mm-hmm. Enterprise risk management is not a shadow audit function. A lot of times, yeah, but, well, folks think that is uh, just another arm of auditing. And really, the beauty is that enterprise risk management is meant to balance out the auditing function and activities within organizations. You know, auditors, they take snapshots of points of times of information. Enterprise risk management is more forward-thinking, proactively thinking about... Sort of anticipating the risk and getting out ahead of it. A lot of anticipation. So an organization is, 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 has two different uh, varying lanes that they need to think about, and it, it, it really balances that out. And so the challenge is making sure people understand that it's not a Got you. I haven't heard that in the word. I haven't used that term in a long time, Michael. <laughs> but it's not a gotcha yeah. initiative or activity. It's it, it's about really um, helping organizations uh, better position themselves to uh, achieve their mission and goals and objectives, um, and taking away uh, levels of uncertainty so they can they can be successful in what they do. So what are some of the, or maybe you can outline for us some of the best practices or most promising practices that you have identified uh, for the successful uh, implementation of an enterprise risk management approach? I think a leading practice, and I've seen this over, yeah, a a leading practice that I've seen, there's several I've seen, and uh, again, uh, having the benefit of engaging with bureaus and, and doing work for such a long time. I think one of the key uh, leading practices is to have a defined common understanding of what risk is. Um, The other one is the organization needs to determine how do they feel about risk. I mean, what's the philosophy? Do you see risk as loss? Do you Mm -hmm. see it as balancing opportunity? That has to be defined up front by the uh, the organization. It's key and important to have defined roles and responsibilities. Uh, We can say that everyone is responsible for risk management, but who is accountable and for ensuring that risk management is something that's fluid Mm -hmm. throughout the organization? Uh, which is very important. I think adopting a risk management framework, it helps to define what the scope of effort is for employees across the board. They need to know what the components are. You know, how do I manage a risk? When I do identify, what do I do with it? Um, how does risk information inform leadership to make better decisions? Uh, who benefits from the information itself? So a framework helps to create those type of outputs so that you understand and can answer those types of questions. Education and training, you can't get enough of that. I know that it's tough in this budget 
environment to to actually support and resource education and training. But the form of education and training is changing, such as through the council. Mm -hmm. A lot of informal personal networks, I think, uh, will really uh, help in that area. And the exchange of ideas within a forum is very important. And um, I can go on and on. But for the most part, I think those are some of the big key ones basic ones. So Karen, what what is the incentives, what are the incentives for linking performance with risk management? Well, let's ask this question. Can you sure. can you truly measure performance without identifying and assessing risk? <laughs> <Good point. laughs> can we can we actually do that? So, if you take into account the risk that could hinder mm-hmm. your performance, I think you're better positioned to achieve uh, and have greater awareness through an informed strategy. So performance is not the absence of risk, uh, but it is a measured achievement when risk is taken into consideration. How is the U.S. Department of Commerce fostering a culture of risk awareness across its enterprise? We will ask Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Commerce, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. What is strategic intelligence? What does it mean to be a strategic, operational, or networking leader? How do you employ smart motivation? What is the relationship between personality and leadership? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Dr. Michael McCovey, author of Strategic Intelligence, Conceptual Tools for Leading Change. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management within the U.S. Department of Commerce. Uh, ERM leaders like yourself in the federal government aren't doing this alone. You're getting some guidance. You're getting some help from the Office of Management and Budget, Dave Mader over there. Uh, would you elaborate perhaps on what OMB is doing to push the adoption and use of enterprise risk management What's happening to to look at risk beyond simply financial risk? Well, first of all, Dave Maynard has done a great job in terms of uh, bringing agencies into the conversation and engaging agencies. I, I thought that, that was, he's done a fabulous job with that. In fact, I had the opportunity to do a detailed assignment at OMB, at OMB okay. um, a few, a couple of years ago, I can't believe it was a it's couple of years ago. It's gone that fast, right? <laughs> so time. So um, and during that time, I was actually a senior advisor uh, for the Office of Federal Financial Management, and um, uh, authored this section of enterprise risk management that's in OMB Circular A11. So by being within the OMB environment, I was extremely impressed by the fact that their willingness to just not issue policy. Mm-hmm but to actually seek out feedback from the agencies to ask the question, this is a great idea, great concept, great policy. Uh, what sense does it make in terms of execution and operations? So that was, um, that was a great experience to do that. So OMB has really been working hard to actually institute a lot of these uh, languages and passages about enterprise risk management in these documents. Very important because the term enterprise risk management 
Uh, I think this is the first time it's been included in uh, A11. And then in A123, it's also going to emphasize that terminology. What that does is elevate the awareness of enterprise risk management. You know, I think out of sight, out of mind. But (laughs) by including it in these key uh, policy um, uh, documents, it really brings to the forefront risk management across government. Mm And it really forces us to think outside the box. And it really makes us uh, think about things other than financial risk because a lot of the headlines on the news aren't necessarily related to financial risk. A lot of it is reputational risk, right? So we have a lot of that. So we're not exempt from any of these different experiences that uh, that we see happening outside of government. Well, could you tell us, given your uh, detail to uh, OMB, uh, perhaps you can give us a sense of the attributes of effective risk management as identified by uh, by them. Well, there are, there are quite a few. There's, they aren't identified by OMB, but they are, okay. these are standard international and well-known uh, practices across all industries. Okay. Um, some of them have, uh, include um, the fact that if effective risk management creates and protects value. Um we talked about how risk management is a part of organizational processes. Mm-hmm. It's part of decision-making. Um, it explicitly addresses uncertainty. We talked about that a little bit. It's systematic, it's structured, and it's timely. It's based on the best available information. It's tailored to and responsive to the evolving risk profile mm-hmm. of the agency. Interesting enough, it takes into account the human factors we talked about. And I thought that was interesting to have that um, considered as one of the key attributes, but it's true. Um, the human factor that goes into managing risk within an organization because people bring biases, oh, yeah. personal biases, into, into that uh, context. Transparency and being inclusive, dynamic, responsive to change, and that really it facilitates continued improvement within the organization. As a whole, so it does. A, it does a lot of things. There's a lot of attributes to it, yeah. but again, these are principles and attributes that uh, all agencies are engaged in in terms of practicing okay. risk management. So I, I was wondering the value of risk management. Uh, how can it? How can the strategies around it improve, say, senior leadership decision making? Can you give us a sense of that? Well, let's you talk about the value. Yeah. The, well, let's just talk. Let's yeah. go back to value because that comes up a lot in terms of what's the value add of yeah, enterprise exactly. risk management, and uh, to to simplify it, but uh, to this to the best way I can, um, what you value and what I value could be two different things. It doesn't ma- mean that we don't have value systems. It means that we do. <laughs> There's certain things we value, mm-hmm. and we decide on what we value based on what we know are the benefits. And enterprise risk management, this, we spoke earlier about the benefits of enterprise risk management. Now, it's up to you and what you value within your value system to determine if those benefits are worth the, the investment. I don't think we are going to get to a place where you, you can just quantify enterprise risk management value because it may never satisfy you. It may never satisfy me. The value depends on whoever receives and decides to accept enterprise risk management. That's when the value is discovered. I think what people are doing is trying to define the value and say, oh, okay, now we want to invest in it. But your value system as a person, as an organization, is what dictates how valuable enterprise risk management is. And I think that's a very important distinction for people to understand. That's very important, yeah. Even if it's not senior leadership, 
how can I use the risk management itself maybe as a tool to strengthen my decision making? How does it help me make decisions more effectively? You know, it's fun. It's interesting because risk management, it requires you to identify risk. Mm -hmm. It requires you to characterize and describe the risk. What's the personality of this risk? Is it is it the high exposure? What are the consequences if this should materialize? The framework and risk management itself. Risk management is built around a framework, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a roadmap that tells you components that tell you how to do this. And the benefit is that risk information is vetted through this this framework. Okay, information becomes much more clear. Uh, about risk. Information becomes much more defined about risk. And when you have these different stages in place to collect information, to vet the information, that becomes much more valuable for decision-making for leadership if you were to remove that component of risk management out of the organization. It makes a big difference. It does make a big difference. So, you know, you, you mentioned, I, I think you've mentioned information flow. It improves information flow. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, the other thing you mentioned earlier uh, is how essential educating staff is for this. Uh, what are you doing, uh, whether within commerce and beyond, to foster a culture of risk awareness across the enterprise? And what are some of the challenges to doing this? You know, um, it's important to engage. The engagement is very important at this time. Everyone at this particular time in government the learning curve is high, but everyone's at the same place in terms of the high learning curve. It's a good high learning curve because it's such a, a risk management is not new. Some of the terminology and the view of how we look at risk mm-hmm. is changing and vis-a-vis uh, enterprise risk management. So in terms of awareness, the community uh, engagements, informal networks that I've talked about is very important. At Commerce, uh, we have monthly meetings with the bureaus um, to talk about topics, uh, leading practices internal within bureaus based on the things that they have done and accomplished uh, in terms of enterprise risk management, which is rare. And that helps to reinforce uh, not only the effectiveness, but the use and understanding of uh, enterprise risk management as a whole. So there's lots of opportunity for learning through public speaking, uh, guests from uh, corporate America, different industries. An example of that would be my current role on the uh, Coastal Advisory Council. Uh, I'm one of, actually I'm the first federal employee to serve on the Coastal ERM Framework Advisory Council. The ERM framework by COSO is updated every 10 years. So uh, 10 years ago, yeah. uh, when they developed that back in ten, 2014, um, most of the representatives, they were from the auditing community, and they decided to actually expand the uh, participation. So I'm actually the first federal employee to actually sit at the table and talk about, does this make sense for the government, federal yeah. government? Because usually we're the ones, after guidance and policy and these practices are released, we have to live with them or try to make them fit. So now we have a place at the table, you know, trying to, sort of you know, influence, it a, influence it a little bit in terms of, that makes sense for that industry, but it maybe it needs to be tweaked this way so that it makes sense to us. So I feel really good about the fact that we're engaging at the table, and that's an educational factor for this. And Karen, I, I, I'd like to understand better because we've talked about audits. We've talked about 
Um, some some folks may think it's a numbers game, an accountant or an auditor. But what professions are most centrally involved in enterprise risk management? Is it the finance people? Is it the auditing people? Is it somebody else? Who should be concerned about it? Well, there's functional interests. I mean, every function, HR, IT, facilities, they all have risk. <laughs> they manage risk all, all the time. So that's, that's nothing new uh, for the most part. I think what's important are the competencies around that because you can uh, manage functional risk, but you need the critical thinking to g- that's needed to think about, well, how does this risk impact other parts of my organization? How does this impact my organization long term? So I think there's a lot of other softer skills that are needed to actually understand the full um, spectrum of enterprise risk management. Uh, so everyone is engaged. Mm-hmm. Again, the key is if we take one person from a- IT and HR facilities and put them in a room, the idea of risk is going to change based on those different perspectives. And then you can come to a place of consensus as a whole how do we feel about risk management? Not just from where you sit, because it could be two different perspectives. But when you get into a conversation with others, the whole value and perspective of enterprise risk or risk management changes for the most part, only because you've expanded those who are engaged mm-hmm. in the activity itself. So um, to answer your question, that's, you know, that's the perception that I have about that. And I mean, and, and are there, are, maybe a side question for you, are, are they going in the direction of, you know, chief risk officers and something like that, or like a term, everybody, there's so many chiefs. That... It's, it's a combination. You have some chief, well, you know, you have chief learning officers, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of chiefs. There's a lot of chiefs. <laughs> but the idea is that uh, the practice of the, the business discipline is important. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that the um, establishment establishment of a role should dictate whether you do enterprise risk management. Well, I, I think you should manage risk, yeah. whether you have a CRO or not. Is <laughs> just part of good business practice. However, it's good if you are uh, have the uh, if you're fortunate enough to have uh, resource and capacity, whichever way it comes, to have someone who's an objective champion of the idea. I think through our conversation, you could probably see the advantage of having Absolutely. someone help to establish the tone, the philosophy, um, increase awareness, so forth and so on yeah. within the organization. What does the future hold for risk management in the federal government? We will ask Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management within the U.S. Department of Commerce, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. From forging a unity of effort in homeland security, to strategizing today how to feel the U.S. Army of tomorrow, to pursuing affordable housing, eliminating fraud, waste, and abuse in healthcare, and securing cyberspace, the latest edition of the Business of Government magazine delves into a diverse set of topics and public management issues facing us today. Hi, I'm Michael Keegan, the editor of the Business of Government magazine, and with each edition, I present the leadership stories of a select group of public servants and complement their frontline experience with practical insights from thought leaders, merging real-world experience with practical scholarship. The purpose is not to offer a definitive solution to many of the management challenges facing government executives, but to provide a resource from which to draw practical, actionable recommendations on how best to confront these issues. Check out the latest edition of the Business of Government magazine and find out 
we bring you insights and interviews from government executives who are changing the way government does business. Download or order a free copy at businessofgovernment.org. This is The Center This Week, highlighting the latest trends and best practices for improving government effectiveness. Brought to you by the IBM Center for the Business of Government. I'm Michael Keegan, Managing Editor of the Business of Government magazine. The Center This Week is our opportunity to inform and, most importantly, to invite you, our listeners, to use the IBM Center for the Business of Government as your resource, a how-to resource for improving government effectiveness at the state, local, and federal level. An IBM Center report, Improving Government Decision-Making Through Enterprise Risk Management by Douglas Webster and Thomas Danton, describes the evolution of federal risk management approaches and highlights several federal agencies' experiences in adopting enterprise risk management. What is enterprise risk management? How can agencies successfully implement ERM? And what are some of the challenges they face in doing so? Today, we will explore these questions and so much more with Doug Webster and Tom Stanton, authors of the IBM Center report, Improving Government Decision-Making Through Enterprise Risk Management. Uh, there are various definitions of risk. Uh, so what is risk and why is risk so often viewed as negative terms rather than, say, positive action? Well, probably the most direct answer to that is that risk, if you look it up in the dictionary, is almost always couched in negative terms. So it's a threat, some vulnerability, and so on. And as a result, folks involved in risk management tend to look at, or not necessarily those only involved in risk management, but people that are impacted by risk management look at it in those terms. However, that's a very narrow context because you also need to consider what's the trade-offs, what's the rewards for, for going after various risks. And so ISO 31000, International Standard on Risk Management, uh, defines risk as the uncertainty of objectives. Now, that that is a different definition of risk, but that having been said, it's not consistent with the other definition if for the other definition you also include what are the risks and the rewards. The point is that both of those need to be considered jointly. I'd like to get a sense of um, if you can offer examples of external internal risks agencies, organizations face. In terms of uh, internal versus external risks, uh, the underlying principles of risk management are identical, but the context is different, meaning that internal risks that are typically risk to achieving some internal set of objectives, whether improving efficiency, effectiveness, et cetera, are things that the organization largely or generally has some significant degree of control over. External risks, on the other hand, you typically do not have an ability to control those risks. So while you may certainly impact the organization's ability to respond should that risk turn to an adverse event, you can't control the risk in the external environment. So that context is significantly different. So, Tom, why is it so imperative to consider the extent of possible risk up front? And could you highlight some of your examples of the, and the common thread throughout these events? It's imperative to consider major risks up front because the cost of remediating a risk early may be a lot less than if you wait. And until recently, I would have used the Veterans Administration. The cost of remediating the Veterans Health Administration and reducing wait times would have been a lot less than suffering what both veterans and the VA suffered. Now, of course, we have the Office of Personnel Management and the abysmal 
failure to protect government workers against cybersecurity, against cyber threats. And that cost is immense. We haven't even gotten to the point where we know how many records were actually accessed. If somebody had done a decent job of cyber protection up front, we might have been able to avoid this. Um, to give you a private sector example, I was the point person on governance and risk management for the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission. Mm -hmm. And there you saw one major financial institution after another that simply failed to consider the risk of putting hundreds of billions of dollars in many cases of subprime mortgages on their books without reserving enough capital uh, in case of a realistic assessment of losses. And the cost of that compared to what it would have cost to deal with it up front, the cost of that to these institutions that blew themselves up, but also to us as a country um, have been immense. Mm -hmm. And Doug, would you highlight some of the compelling reasons for why the federal government should be adopting and is adopting uh, enterprise risk management? Well, to the degree that the federal government is already involved in risk management, and I would suggest every organization is involved in risk management in some fashion, it has traditionally and typically been within various functional stovepipes. So, for example, the financial chief financial officer certainly worries about getting a clean audit opinion. The CIO worries about cybersecurity, et cetera. However, when you manage risks within these functional silos and you don't come together collectively, you don't have an ability to prioritize at the overall enterprise level across those functional stovepipes. Moreover, you don't have the ability to identify cross-functional impacts where uh, the CIO, for example, mitigating one risk may be creating uh, unknowingly risks in other parts of the organization. You don't have the ability to prioritize resources across all of those. And finally, you, don't, you are unable to develop that portfolio view of risk across the enterprise to ensure it's consistent with a risk appetite for that organization. More information on this and other center resources is available at businessofgovernment.org. There you will find how the business of government is not business as usual. For the IBM Center for the Business of Government, I'm Michael Keegan, and this has been The Center This Week. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Dr. Karen Hardy. Deputy Director for Risk Management within the U.S. Department of Commerce. So, Karen, I, I talked to many of my guests about the use of collaboration and partnerships among agency and the private sector to achieve mission results. Would you tell us how you're leveraging partnerships to improve operations and outcomes, and how are you collaborating? Well, I think collaboration is key for the future. Um, it's just like with technology, how technology has removed the borders of for businesses to do business now. You can do business overseas from your living room. You know, so the borders have been removed. I think it's the same thing with risk management. Um, back in 2009, the um, International Standards Organization, ISO, issued uh, ISO 31000. It was the very first international risk management standard ever issued principles-based, um, and it's uh, applicable across all industries. It's that generic. But it pretty much tells you if you're doing risk management the right, right way, here's ISO 31000 to guide you. A, a lot of them are starting to use them, just like with code. So this is a balance all over the place. <laughs> the key is the fact that because people are starting to 
uh, apply the same type of principles, the common principles. It's in, now we can actually talk across industries about risk management. Uh, so it's not um, a foreign concept to me versus a big corporation. When we say risk, then we're talking about the same thing because of the standards and the other things that's taking place externally to bring us all together. So in the future, collaboration is going to be key because now we can actually talk to universities, corporations about how they manage risk. And it's very important to be able to do that because business, the business of government, we have contractors, we have grantees. They all need to manage risk. And we need a a way to engage and bring that conversation together. So in terms of collaboration, I think building those partnerships with private industry and government is essential. So, you know, you mentioned future. So I want to get a sense, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, across the federal enterprise or within commerce, what does the future hold in this area of risk management, enterprise risk management? future is bright, Michael. (laughs) Absolutely. The future is absolutely bright because what it does, there are no limitations. This is not just for the CEO or the COO or the deputy secretary. That's the great thing about it. You could be anyone within an organization and appreciate these principles and concepts and apply to where you are. That makes the organization all the more better. I mean, wouldn't you want to be in a place where your employees, the secretary, the contract specialist, they all understand the concepts and tenets of risk management and they manage where they are. So it's not a foreign concept. Yeah. It's part of day-to-day you know, uh, business operations. So the future is bright, educational-wise, mm-hmm. application-wise, measurement-wise. I don't think you can go to any business anywhere across the world and they aren't thinking about enterprises management. So I want to know, um, before you go, uh, what advice would you give someone who is considering a p- career in public service? Well, first of all, I think it's a great um, decision to serve. It's an amazing opportunity to serve the American people. And I'm often surprised by counterparts uh, outside of the federal government that I interact with their faces literally light up when they hear the fact that we're doing enterprise risk management and on a large scale. Yeah. Um, they're really surprised and, and, and happy to hear about that. So I would recommend anyone that's considering career in public service to really stay on top of, you know, key business trends impacting all lines of business, such as human resources and information technology. They should really stay plugged into the different ways that, that lead to innovation in these areas and uh, strive, to, strive to be someone who can solve problems and provide solutions. I think that's very important. Leveraging collaborations and partnerships will be the key as resources become harder to come by. So um, that's very significant. And this will continue to catapult creativity and ingenuity within the federal space. So um, to me, these are just some of the skills that would be great assets in, in public service. Great. Well, Karen, it was great to have you, and thank you for your time today. But more importantly, I'd like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Thank you so much. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Dr. Karen Hardy, Deputy Director for Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Commerce. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government effectiveness for the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org.
What is strategic intelligence? What does it mean to be a strategic, operational, or networking leader? How do you employ smart motivation? What is the relationship between personality and leadership? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Dr. Michael McCoby, author of Strategic Intelligence, Conceptual Tools for Leading Change. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m.